We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast on Ramsock Radio. I'm Sierra Barrow. As always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, we got hard knocks. We got schedule preview. We got actual news. We got a, uh, it's August. Football's in the air, finally. It, it only took, you know, what seemed like a century, but hey, it's finally here. Let's see how long it stays there. The, the reports today were that less than 1% of the tests so far done to NFL players and staff came back positive. So we're, we're heading down the right path, but obviously there's, there's still a long way to go before we get football. And when we get football, there's still a long way to go to completing the season. So, I mean, let's hope, let's hope we get there. I just, I just had my first fantasy draft last night. It really, 
it's really finally starting to take in. I'm uh, I'm pumped about it. Sports uh, sports are back for the time being, and uh, they'll really feel back when we have football. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I wanted to use this opportunity to challenge Steve to join my fantasy league. Um, I, I wanted to use it uh, this opportunity right now, rather than just telling Steve uh, off the air, because I feel like he's has more pressure to saying <laughs> yes. I can't say no on the air. What uh, what platform do you guys play on? Yahoo. Yeah, it's my favorite, but I am uh, I am actually I might be at my limit of Yahoo teams, but I will make another account just so we could talk about it on the podcast together. Woo! You heard it here, folks. <laughs> it's gonna be Johnny versus Steve this year in fantasy football. We we'll we'll make it work. Uh, you put you put me under the gun, and I have to respect it. Uh, I I will take you up on it. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. it. It's funny. I think maybe next week I'll try and get somebody on to uh, talk about fantasy with us. But it is going to be just an absolute fucking crapshoot in in fantasy. And uh, for those who watch Hard Knocks, more on the Chargers side, they were saying like probably going to be more transactions this year than any year ever. Uh, there's more uncertainty. Guys have just got to be ready to go off the streets. Uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. And, uh, I, I guess we could start with hard knocks just so I will put a timestamp in the pod description. So anyone who doesn't want to listen to us talk about hard knocks or hasn't watched it yet can just skip ahead. I mean, there's gonna be spoilers, but it's also a documentary about things that already happened. So I wouldn't blow too crazy, but, uh, it was definitely like. At the very least, interesting to see how these teams are handling the protocols. Uh, and two teams with the Rams and the Chargers uh, that were the focus of the show. I know, I know, a lot of people on Twitter are mad that the Chargers got more airtime than us. <laughs> Hopefully, that evens out in a couple weeks. But uh, uh, it was it was cool to see how each team was handling this. And uh, like the Chargers are not using like the front four rows of their meeting room. The Rams just straight up through tents outside and that's where their players are holding a lot of their meetings uh, and they're still doing a lot of stuff on zoom uh it, it would it seems like they the it, it gave me some encouragement that the nfl is actually taking a lot of precautions here and the it's it's on it's on not just the players but the players and and the personnel that's around the players every day really to be taking the precautions from inside the you know inside practice and taking it home with them uh you know they can't work from home so unlike people like us that are working remote uh they kind of got to be as cautious as they can when they're heading home and really just go to work go home Uh, it's not not the best lifestyle but i i think for these guys it'll be worth it at the end of the day uh and it the last week has made me even with the cancellations of a lot of college football it's gotten me encouraged that we will this thing will happen in some capacity. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with that, uh, with a, with a lot of things really um, with the fact that I have to say, I was really impressed with what I saw in regards to COVID protocol. You know, I still think it's kind of a long shot for the season to finish. 
you know, I hope I'm wrong, but just because of the type of sport that football is, it's going to be really difficult for this to play on throughout the entire season. That being said, the NFL does have a lot of measures in place um, to make sure that these, uh, you know, that the protocols are being followed from, you know, the normal wearing masks, face shields, that kind of thing. But even down to like how often these guys are being tested. And uh, I have I have a few notes throughout this uh, uh, throughout the episode there. And just just a few things that caught my eye that I thought was pretty hilarious. And overall, what I want to what I wanted to kind of talk about, too, because you mentioned how some of the fans were mentioning that the Chargers got more airtime. And that's absolutely true. But one of the things that we have to remember is the Rams were one of the last teams, if not the last team to actually do anything. You know, they, right. I, I'm not I'm not sure why that was um, probably, you know, to make sure everything was in order. But even the Chargers actually started their, you know, offseason training before the Rams did. So I think that's kind of why the uh, um, that's why, you know, Hard Knocks had a little more coverage on them. I think um, the next episode will for surely show a little more Rams football, and uh, at least I hope so. I and I, I actually did enjoy the Chargers stuff. I won't lie. Um, I and I obviously don't want to get into this too much, but I did. You know the whole they had the whole Zoom conversation about kneeling and everything, and I thought that was really well done. Uh, you know, yeah. noting that they started it with a guy who said, "Hey, I'm going to stand," and then everyone was like, "That's fine." And we know you're still on our side, and we could all do whatever we want because that's, you know, that's that's what we're doing. It's it's freedom of speech. You can do whatever you want. Uh, but I thought they did did a good job on that. It was a nice little segment, and then you know they all moved on. And uh, Johnny, one thing that stood out to me on the Chargers side too was, I don't remember which player it was, but he was he took like a minute to like prep himself for the COVID test, and he asked the. Uh, the Hard Knocks crew, if they'd taken the test for it, and I'm pretty sure one of them said no. And <laughs> he, doesn't that seem a little fucking crazy? That one of the yeah. crew members was like, no, I've never taken it. <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. I mean. And they in, put it in, in the, the episode. <laughs> like, what? I, I... I mean, hey, that that's exactly why they put it in because it was such an outrageous thing that I don't know if many people caught. I, you know, I know we for surely caught it, but you know that that is something outrageous that you know somebody within the health industry isn't getting a test when you have these football players that they're giving a test to. So that's pretty bad, honestly. Like I don't, I don't really know how that's possible, but it just kind of shows you where these tests are being prioritized as, and that's a whole nother debate I don't want to get into. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty sad. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, but I mean, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on the Charger side. On the Rams side, though, uh, before I watched the episode, one of my the first texts I got. Yesterday, 
or today before I watch it, uh, one of my cousins texts me and goes, does Dante Dion play? And I was like, no, not really. And he was like, oh, so he's just like like a clown. Uh, it's like that kind of clown, uh, which may or may not be true, but I I did kind of enjoy him flexing his personality. Uh, and I actually couldn't remember if he was on the team last year. And for those who, like me, you forget, the answer is yes and no. Uh, I remembered him having a pretty good preseason. I think, Johnny, you and I both thought he, he played well. Uh, didn't make the team, was on the practice squad, got called up in November, and was on the roster for the rest of the year. But, yeah, he he was uh, he was a riot. Uh, and on the flip side, J- Jalen Ramsey was fun. But uh, I, I – in regards to that reporter thing, I like it's tough because I'm on Ramsey's side. Like, look, if I'm sitting there getting asked all these questions about the same fucking thing that I have no answers for, and it's really not my job to answer, that's it's more of a question for less need than it is for him. I, you know, I'm gonna get sick of it too, and it's gonna be annoying. I don't blame him at all. At the same time, it, the reporters are getting paid to ask these questions. Those are the kinds of questions that people want to know whether or not Jalen Ramsey is the right person to ask. He's probably not, but if they don't ask these questions, I'm sure at least one of their bosses will be like, why would you not ask Jalen about his contract? That's the news. That's what we need to hear. So I I, I feel from both sides, but I mean, I definitely, definitely understand Jalen's frustration there. So uh, as far I'll start with Dante DeLeon. Um, so as far as they goes, I, you know, even though he didn't really play much, I still think he has a ton of potential. Um, one of the things that I feel like the Rams have a lot of is a lot of good potential players, uh, other than of course, Jalen Ramsey and, and Troy Hill. And really, I, I think he could, you know, find himself in a good position if he, you know, improves, uh, the, more than last year. There's just there's just a lot of guys there, and uh, it, it's a little harder this year just because of the whole COVID situation, lack of a preseason. So he if he's going to prove something, he's got to do it really soon. As for Ramsey, uh, so here's the thing about uh, the journalist: if you he already a- answered the question, and then they persisted to ask him again. And it's like, did you not hear him the first time? You know, why wouldn't I understand it's a very important question. You're definitely going to want to try and ask it at least once. But if you're going to sit there and pester him about it, isn't there something else you'd like to know other than his contract situation? I mean, he is he is trying to, you know, play for the Rams, which is this is really going to be his first full year. So isn't there other things you'd like to ask him? Because I can think of plenty other questions to ask him. Right. And it, it's not like it's a, uh, you know, like if you're like a political journalist and you're going up to like a senator or a president and you need to ask them pesky questions, you're going to persist the shit out of it because these people are elected to answer these kind of things. It's a lot different when you're a sports journalist asking a player a question about something he's not negotiating himself if the question if it was like 
like let's hypothetically say that Jalen Ramsey got benched in the fourth quarter of a game and somebody asked if he was upset about it and he answered it kind of and then they were like well are you mad at coach or like something like that and then he storms off that's a little different than like he answered all he said all he can say about his contract uh his agent's gonna advise him to not say much about it Uh, I mean the Rams are probably gonna also not they wouldn't advise him on this because it's not their place but they definitely would be happy for him also not to talk about it so yeah it's it's not I agree. It's not really the place. I, I get why they ask it. You know, it is their job in a way, but uh, the, the the job ramifications to change so that stuff like that doesn't need to be said. Um, and in a way, I think uh, we have been getting better about asking these shitty questions to players overall uh, in the media, but obviously we still have work to do. Yeah, that was very clear. And, you know, I I don't think anyone should really be mad at Ramsey. Could he have handled it a little differently? Sure. But, you know, this is something that you you just you you need to be better at that. You really you really need to be. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Some other takeaways. I don't think we really need to harp on. Obviously, you'll confirm Terrell Lewis tested positive for COVID, but he he tweeted out after the episode, he was like, guys, I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm back. Uh, so he must be back with the team. And uh, another thing that, Johnny, I don't think we need to touch on this today, but we will talk about in the coming weeks. On Hard Knocks, if you watch if you watch closely, uh, and I saw Cam DeSilva reporting this, the, the, the offensive line they rolled out was Andrew Whitworth, Austin Corbett, Austin Bly, David Edwards, and Rob Havenstein which I think was the expected offensive line that we've all kind of like been thinking would at least get the first shake. Uh, that's how it is. We'll see how that progresses. We've talked about that a lot over the past month or two, so I don't really think we need to revisit it right now. Uh, one thing I, I'm curious to your take is multiple running backs, I think all three, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, and Cam Akers, were getting first-team reps, and I think... You know, I think Cam Akers will take the reins as more or less a, a workhorse back. There might be some persistence from the other two, uh, Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown. But, you know, to start the season, I I think I'm curious to see what the split's going to be. And I think it is going to be uh, a split. You know, I would imagine, and I'm not sure what the splits are going to be, but in week one, I would bet each one of these guys plays 20% of the snaps at least. I I feel like nobody's going to play less than that out of the three. Well, um, I I think it's a good move to certainly try and try them all out at the first team reps because I mean, in reality, you're not getting a whole lot of, of time to actually see these guys, you know, play. So you're going to want to see which guys are are going to be good at certain scenarios and you want them to to go up against your starters. You don't want them to prove themselves to like the second, third or fourth units. You know, nothing against them, it's just that's not who they're going to see if they end up the starter. So, I think it's a really good move even with Malcolm Brown because in the end Malcolm Brown is the only veteran on on the in the running back core. Yeah, even him, I think that's a good idea. Um, 
and what whichever way um McVeigh decides to you know start them it, it it's it's going to be complicated because you know both Henderson and Akers are so young so you want to be able to for sure you know balance it in a way um because it, it's going to have some bumps along the way this isn't going to be something that they're going to come out the gates and immediately put up some big astonishing numbers so yeah I, i'm totally okay with them you know experimenting a little bit and you know as soon as they can find you know what where their specialty lies i think the the better off they'll be overall yeah and i you know i expect i i wouldn't say expect but i think it's a real possibility that malcolm brown leads the backfield on rushing touchdowns uh He's proven to do well in the spot. Uh, and I think even as Cam Akers really takes the job over, which I, I think will happen, uh, there's still a chance that Malcolm Brown vultures a ton of those touchdowns. And it makes him a little pesky for fantasy purposes, which we'll talk about on a later pod. But yeah, you might as well have all three guys ready. And look, they're all talented. Uh, they all, we've, we've seen that, you know, I, I don't think Malcolm Brown's going to be a feature back, but he has a role and he's good at it. And, you know, going into this season, he might be your most reliable pass blocker. Uh, we didn't see any of that from Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. I mean, we haven't seen him. So, uh, but from a rookie, I wouldn't expect a ton there. So yeah, all three of these guys, uh, are, are going to be needed and are going to get work. Uh, Johnny, give me your, we'll move on after this funniest moment from this episode what get what gave you the biggest chuckle on the ram side oh my gosh so i i know you already know what i uh what i think but i have to i have to mention a few things before i get to that number one callie the uh sean mcveigh's dog oh my god yeah, that i, I want great. an airbud <laughs> I, I want an airbud dude like, talk about who, who doesn't want an Talk about the most Sean McVay thing ever. His wife is just like, yeah, he, he's he been coaching the dog for months. That, that's what he's been up to. <laughs> he's just coaching the dog in basketball. That was unbelievable. That was just amazing and um, one, of, one of the best moments for me. Uh, next thing, Aaron Donald, how do you confuse blood with snot? Like, I, I, I was, like, thinking, he's like, what is that, snot? And I'm thinking, wait, did did he say snot? And she, you know, the nurse that was assisting him was just kind of looking at him, that's blood. And I'm like, what? I, I don't know. Maybe there was just, like, it looked a little weird from his angle. I'm not really sure, but I don't know how you confuse, you know, snot with blood. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh wild. I I watched this with my girlfriend who uh it is not into football at all, but is a Rams fan by proxy and uh also likes this show. She really enjoyed it in twenty sixteen. Uh she fell in love with I think it was Austin Hill, right? The receiver, uh who uh, I I didn't have the heart to tell her had it like a negative chance of making the roster. Um but <laughs> she she really enjoyed that the like just like these giant men 
were just like cowering at needles and and the swabs and stuff like just fearless ruthless guys on the field and they're looking at a a, a little q-tip and they're like oh my god get that thing away from me uh and <laughs> what my favorite moment of the episode was uh <laughs> when they were showing like the montage of just like players talking on over zoom calls they cut to Aaron Donald for like a, a quick second and he takes a sip of his water and it's just like this comically large bottle of water. Like it, <laughs> my girlfriend was just like, like, isn't that like a water you buy to like fill up other waters? He's just drinking about it. It's just like, like a, like a gap, like a gallon jug. Uh, and he just grabs it with one hand and takes a sip out of it. I uh, just, it was barely on the screen, but it just had me cracking up. <laughs> yeah, I do recall that myself, and that was, yeah, that that, I mean, it matches the the ridiculously large guy in, in Aaron Donald. Yeah. He may not be the tallest guy in the room, but he's certainly the buffest. So, um, maybe. But I think you and I both know what what's coming next here. And that's the greatest quote from Hard Knocks. And that's just not to shit in the porta potties. <laughs> you know, Steve, was it you? Did you shit in the porta potties? I, I think it was the Hard Knocks staffer that didn't take his COVID test. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, fuck your porta potties. Yeah, that was. Uh... <laughs> that was so funny. If any Johnny and I discussed before the show, if anyone has a unedited clip of that scene, please send it to me. Um because that might be in our intro at some point because that was fantastic. Uh I, so if, if anyone has that, I I can only find the edited version on YouTube right now and it it doesn't do it justice. We got to have the unedited in the intro. Um yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, that may, that really made up for the Rams kind of being the second fiddle in this episode. But look, I will say for, for non Rams fans and I guess non Chargers fans too, I'm sure it was nice to have two teams on hard knocks. I'm sure it made it a lot more entertaining. And for this year with how weird it is, it, like I said, it's cool to get those two different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And it couldn't have come at a better time for the crew because, I, I imagine it must have been a challenge just because I know that the protocol doesn't just isn't just limited to the players and the coaching staff. If you think that it's tough for them, can you imagine how much protocol that is for that film crew? Like, yeah, they're not they they have to go through hoops too, I imagine, to just, you know, be able to film properly. So it's not something that's really covered because obviously the focus is on the teams, but the fact that there are two teams now gives at least a little more content for them to work with because this has to be the most challenging hard knocks to film ever. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, no preseason, no scrimmages, no, no nothing. Yeah. They're they're doing a good job. They, They did a really good job with it. Um, Let's get to some news and notes before we get to the schedule stuff. Ashawn Robinson is out 
with a McVeigh didn't disclose the injury. He said it was he's on the uh, the non football injury list. Uh, he's out indefinitely. McVeigh did say they expect him back at some point this season, but no timetable. Might not even come back. Uh, the Athletics Jordan Rodrigue, uh, I think I pronounced that right. Also, uh, shout out to her. She's doing a really good job covering the team for the Athletics so far. Uh, reported that it's a cardiovascular condition that's signing him or that's sidelining him. The team wasn't prepared for this, but McVeigh said they caught it early, and it's it's really not anything that's too concerning. Uh, it will keep him sidelined for a while, and it is disappointing that he's not out there. We talked about him before. He's He seems like he's going to be a really useful player, especially in run-stopping, which without linebackers we're going to need. Uh, McVeigh, his quote here, when you place him on the NFL – or the NFI, which is the non-football injury list. You're restricted in terms of length and longevity that he has to remain out the field. That was what we felt was best in the decision. Number one for him and for, for the Rams, it was a situation where Tony Pastors and Ashawn's agent were able to work something out, which they thought was favorable to both sides, both Ashawn and the club, and it's going to be a good thing. Uh, I will say I hope we get him back as soon as he can. He's going to be useful, but at the same time, we talked about how deep this position is and I think we will plug Sebastian Joseph Day there and we will be fine uh, from an on the field perspective but we will be better with him out there so hopefully uh, it's nothing too serious and we get him back yeah absolutely uh, I, I was a little sad when I when I heard about the um, about Robinson being out for you know who knows how long but obviously if it's something, especially cardiovascular, even though it might be on the lighter side, if there is a lighter side, um, that's still something you want to take care of because your life is definitely way more important than a game. And at the end of the day, football is just a game, even no matter how much we love it. So Aishan, um, you know, speedy recovery to you, man. And uh, can't wait to get him back because this is truly a talented player. And I, I really feel like this guy is going to thrive in the Rams defense, especially playing next to Aaron Donald. Um, but like you said, we have guys behind him, you know, like Sebastian Joseph Day, who, let me tell you, is a very talented player and is more than capable of, of playing uh, in his place. Um, and, you know, we don't know the progression of Greg Gaines as well, who I think has a lot of potential. Um, we don't know how much of playing time he's going to receive, but I can guarantee you he's going to try and get as much playing time as he possibly can. So um, I, I'm really I'm really excited, even with uh, you know Robinson out, um, and like I said, speedy recovery to him. Yeah, I definitely hope for the best. You know, health comes first, especially in in the times right now. And I think I think we'll be fine on the field, and we'll be better when we get him back. But it, I don't think this is going to cost us any games or anything. Uh, this is like the one position, maybe beside maybe besides receiver, and in a way, running back that we we feel good about about the room, uh, depth wise at least. Uh, <laughs> so we 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 can't ignore this, Johnny. Even though I feel like it's not news. But ESPN spoke to Sean McVay reportedly about a job as an analyst on Monday Night Football. 
from the looks of it, it basically sounds like they reached out to him and said, hey, if whenever you're done coaching, or like if you, if you want to leave coaching or whenever you're done, you might have a might have a job in the booth. And I'll just say this, like, he'd be a phenomenal fucking analyst, but he's 34. He ain't going anywhere unless we kick him out because the man lives, sleeps, and breathes football, and you just don't get that same level of football from being in the booth. And I think he will at some point uh, be an analyst because, look, let's be real. He's Like I said, he's 34. So, you know, he coaches for 15 years. He's going to be 15 more years. He'll be 50. Uh, yeah, I know. You start this young. I, I think he is a football lifer, but he's going to get worn out at some point. That being said, I don't think he's worn out yet, and I don't think he's going to be worn out anytime soon. So I would I – would, this is a non-story to me. It's definitely a non-story in regards to, uh, you know, Sean McVay trying to be – uh, trying to leave the Rams to be to go work in the booth. I, I think at some point it might be in his future for sure, but is it in the immediate future? Not even close. Um, let me tell you something about McVay, though. I think that this guy has one of the most awesome personas. You know, I met the guy before, um, and he was nothing but a nice dude. So I, I imagine he can, you know, take his charisma and his you know, um, his personality to the booth and be one of the more beloved guys in the booth. So um, kudos to him for his future, because it's bright no matter which way he goes, whether it be coaching or in the booth. Uh, And I think he'd be he'd be a great asset to ESPN for sure. But, um, yeah, to sit here and worry about him taking the job at ESPN, I, I wouldn't worry for the next, you know, at least the longevity of his contract and possibly beyond that. Yeah. He's going to be here until we fire him or his contract runs out. I think I don't think he'd leave to go take a, take a booth job at least anytime soon. I mean, we'll see how things progress, but I do hope someday I get to hear him in the booth because he'd be phenomenal. Uh, But yeah, so Let's do weeks five or eight here, Johnny, of our schedule preview. Uh, right now, I have the team at three and one. You have them at four and zero, oh, and we are getting into a interesting four weeks to say the least. We start out week five at Washington. Uh, and for those that didn't hear, I had the Rams losing to Dallas. Had them beating Philly, Buffalo, New York Giants. Johnny had them beating all four teams. Uh, in, in he's in vintage form, guys. Uh, <laughs> week five, we're playing Washington. They previously announced that they had no team name anymore through the Washington football team. Uh, today, I think they announced that they're not going to have fans in this attendance, and we've known for months that they're not going to have any talent on the football field. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> Man, like that guy, you know. I, I mean, how do you feel about this team? <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, I, I like the run of Vera hire. Like this, this feels like a team that needs that kind of hire. But that being said, like looking at their depth chart today, like there, there is some stuff to like. And if if Dwayne Haskins really 
really makes a nice leap this year. Maybe there's something there. Uh, but even if he does, like, they're just so thin at what feels like almost every position. Uh, you know, you bring in Chase Young, I think he's going to be a monster. And maybe you get something on that defense. You've still got Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, Landon Collins is there as obviously a good player. Uh, but just like offense, man, it's just even if Haskins is good, like you got Terry McLaurin and then what? Like your tight end is the two t- starting tight ends listed are Jeremy Sprinkle and Richard Rogers. Uh, your starting running back is fucking Adrian Peterson at age 35, backed up by just like a bot, like an island of misfit toys. Uh, your your front runner for the starting job, you just cut him because he, apparently he's an asshole. Uh, like <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, and that's I'm that's being nice, calling him an asshole. Uh, I mean this. I think there's some stuff to like on defense more than offense, but I I just can't see this team making much of an impact, even in a shitty division with that offense. Even if Haskins uh, looks like he's got something there, it's just. There's nothing, man. It's just there's nothing. And I think in a way it's going to hamper Haskins too. Uh, I don't know if I believe in him or not yet, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't, but like he's not get, he's not given much to succeed with. He's got one one oh, I would say a really good receiver in Terry McLaurin, but like that's it, man. That that offense is fucking terrible. So I think the Washington Huskies are a really good football team uh, <laughs> that aren't going to play this year, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the Washington football team is – is uh, <laughs> they just exist, really. Like, uh, offensively, they're just awful. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, I'm not big on Dwayne Haskins as it is. Uh, if I'm a Washington fan, I'm hoping that Alex Smith is able to somehow turn out something. They got Kyle uh, Allen, too. Oh, yeah, there's Kyle Allen. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alex Smith, can you please return? Uh, but, yeah, like, if, if, I'm, if I'm a Washington fan, I'm rooting for Alex Smith, not only for comeback player of the year, uh, I mean, the guy has a leg up on the competition. Let's put it that way. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I had to. I had to. Uh, but seriously, though, I, I'm not a believer in, in Dwayne Haskins. I never have been. I even argued with Derek about it, you know, Derek Downer. Um, <laughs> I I just – he hasn't really shown me anything – not that I'm anyone to show anything to, but um, he hasn't really shown anything that would make me believe otherwise. And on top of that, he's going to have to face Aaron fucking Donald. Like, I'd be afraid for my life because, yeah, they, they, off, the defensive line is is freaking impressive. And you better hope that Sean Robinson isn't back by then. Because at at that point they're better off just surrendering, yeah. Uh, and I, I could see, I can see Jalen Ramsey just kind of rubbing his hands together with all this too. So, yeah, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that we're gonna dominate this game, and I'm expecting a 56 to 10 victory here. 
I, I, I don't care how much of a homer I sound like. It, it's there's absolutely nothing here that can convince me that this is going to be a close game. Uh, I I got I got a thirty to thirteen Rams, and I mean it probably won't be as close as that score sounds. Fifty six to ten. I mean there there are some good players on their defense. Yeah, there are, and I do I do believe in Chase. I do. But I just I think offensively, even with the struggling offensive line, I feel like there are a lot of players on this offense. I I think we're going to see this offense really get confident and shine here. Um, And if if they you know, if the running back core actually develops at this point, which it would be a good point because this is week five, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you got a. You know, behind AP, you have guys like Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick. You also have guys like uh, Antonio Gibson, who's a first-year third-round pick. Uh, they drafted him before the ship with Jerry Skies went down, so I think they are high on him. Uh, and then Bryce Love, former uh, former Heisman candidate, who is coming back from an injury. Uh, there might be something there. Uh, I think Gibson will probably be the guy to take this job at some point, but... Uh, for all the shit I'm throwing at AP right now, he actually is still like all right. Like, it's not yeah, the worst thing you could throw out there. Yeah, but he's also at the same time like the, in a, in a league where running back is so deep, you're entering a season with him as like the guy. Like, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, for for sure. That's not really a. That's not really who I'd want as my starting running back. You know. Um, Maybe as a compliment, for sure. I would for sure like him as a complimentary back. But do I want him to be my featured back? Absolutely not. And, you know, <laughs> that that just shows Washington in general. Yep. It, it's just, yeah. No, I, I, I know 56 to 10 is kind of uh, out there. But... Um, I, I have absolutely zero faith in Washington. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams. Yeah, they're going to stink. I, I would be shocked if they didn't. Uh, now on to a team on the complete opposite end of the spectrum from a talent perspective and from a geographical perspective, the San Francisco 49ers, <laughs> the, <laughs> the reigning NFC champions. Uh, this is obviously a very good football team. Uh, we let's let's not be full on homers here uh they they lost to Forrest Buckner which is going to be a big loss but got a got a uh, replacement through the draft in the first round Joe Staley retired uh Manuel Sanders is gone but other than that they they drafted some guys and beyond that it's more or less the same football team as last year uh same coach Kyle Shanahan I think we can all agree is a a very good football coach same quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, who I'm sure every there's a lot of mixed feelings on. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know Johnny and I are not that high on him. But he got them to – I would say he got them, but he was their quarterback, and they played in the Super Bowl. And uh, it'd be silly to say he gets no credit for that, even though how much credit he gets could be debated. But this is obviously a, a, a very good – and very deep football team. Uh, you know, they bring, <laughs> they signed Jordan Reed. Uh, maybe he'll be something. Probably not. Uh, they uh, Oh, and they, I don't know how I missed this. They bring in Trent Williams 
which is obviously, you know, the Joe Staley replacement uh, would be the big acquisition. But it's a really deep, talented team. I think it'd be silly to say that they're not the favorite in the NFC West this year, even if I think it's going to be a tight race. You have to say today uh, they're probably the in in the lead. Uh, as I don't know. They have to be the favorite, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a team that made it to the Super Bowl. They may not have won, but this is still a very young, promising team matched by with a very young and promising coach, much like the Rams are. So um, you can't help but, you know, give them the edge here just because of the kind of team they have. But, Steve, you missed a very important name on the list there. Who did I miss? Pettis. (laughs) 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 I had to throw that in there. Okay, enough of that. But, uh, yeah, basically what everything Steve said, for sure, this is is not one of the teams that you want to face at any given point, and the Rams have to face them twice which you know just shows the toughness of the nfc west still and you know we haven't even gotten to the seahawks or the cardinals yet so start off the nfc west division with the 49ers that that's pretty brutal so um yeah it's it's not going to be an easy game and this is going to be one of the toughest game if not the toughest game that the rams are going to face this season yeah, I and this this is at San Francisco in week six. I will say in one one thing that, you know, looking at their depth chart, they they let Emmanuel Sanders go. There are a lot of question marks at the receiver position for them. Uh and obviously having George Kittle on your team eases these concerns because, you know, they have him as a pass catcher. Uh, and they're deep at running back. Maybe you get something from Jarek McKinnon this year as a, as a pass catcher. Uh, obviously, you have Raheem Mostert, who broke out last year, being backed up by Tevin Coleman. That's a that's a solid room, uh, even without Matt Breida, who yeah. they traded. Uh, and then uh, Kyle, how do you how do you say his last name? Just just check. Uh, it's, I don't remember the fullback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that we'll go with that. The fullback. Man, we should really know that. Thank you guys for for riding with us. Uh, but like like the receivers, Debo Samuel broke his foot in June, so it, when he's back, yeah, I, I think he'll be good. But it might it might have to ease into it. I don't know if he's gonna be ready for Week One. Beyond him, uh, they drafted Brandon Ayuk in the first round. Uh, if look, if he's good, then yeah, you're probably fine. But we've seen. A uh, many first round picks in the past. Look at Corey Davis, Laquan Treadwell. Uh, some of these receivers just don't work out. Uh, and beyond, beyond him, it's Kendrick Bourne, Jalen Hurd. Dante Pettis is still on the roster, Johnny. They worked out Tavon Austin this week. Like, uh, yeah, he is still on the team. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I thought he left. No, he's, he's, he's still there. Uh, but this, it's, it's a, it's not a great receiver room. I would say one of the worst in the league. But like I said, uh, if you're factoring tight ends, it skyrockets because they have George Kittle. And, you know, I don't know if there's anything there with Jordan Reed, but he, given the receiving room, like, he could get a shot to catch some balls. 
personally, I I think they'll be okay just because I like Brandon Ayuk a lot. I feel like he is kind of one of the guys that are being overlooked just because he is a rookie. Uh, that doesn't mean he's going to ball out of control right away. It's still the NFL. It's still a huge learning curve. So I imagine it'll take some time. As far as Debo Samuel, you know, he will get healthy at some point. And while I, to tell you the truth, I think I would be more excited about Ayuk over Samuel just because I feel like uh, Ayuk's potential is there. However, Samuel is more proven at this point. So uh, there's that. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, when you have Kittle there, you, you, you can't help but feel secure in that department just because he's probably the best tight end in the league. I, I, I don't I don't know too many people that would argue with that unless, you know, you're a Travis Kelsey fan. Um he's he's at worst the second best tight end in the league. Like there really is no yeah. case beyond that. And I would Seriously. I would agree with you that he's the best. Yeah. There I you can certainly make an argument for uh for Kelsey, but like, in my opinion, personally, I, I would much rather have Kittle. Uh, but overall, I think they they still have a solid receiving core, um, despite you know not being one of the top receiving cores in the league, uh, just because of Kittle alone. So, right. Um, yeah, uh, this is going to be a tough game, and unfortunately, I don't see the Rams winning this game. Um, and for me, that will be their first loss, which, Hey, you know, going five and zero to start the season isn't bad. So losing to the 49ers wouldn't be the worst thing in the world here. Um, but I still see it being a much closer game than, uh, people might realize. So I'm going to call it a 24 to 17 victory for the 49ers. So we've, We've played the 49ers well under Sean McVay. We beat them in the first game, uh, which was actually a great game. I kind of forgot about it in 2017. Uh, second time we played them, we didn't play in our starters. We lost. We swept them in 2018. Last year, when we went to when we uh, when we played them for the first time, I mean, we were in shambles, and we played one of our worst games of the season, and we only lost by 13 points. And then the next time we went to San Francisco, we only lost by three. They were a much better team than us last year, and we held our own in both games. And that, and I mean that game where we lost twenty to seven, it's unbelievable that we were actually in the game as long as we were. It feels like we might have their number, even though they swept us last year. And for that reason, I'm going to take them in this game. I'm going to go twenty-four to twenty Rams. I, I'm feeling good. Uh, you got to pick your losses in this thing and I'm going to take this one as a win. Uh, for, for now, we'll, we'll see how I feel in, in during week six, but, uh, obviously this is the game where if they lost, I would not be surprised at all. This is a very good team. There's no reason to be upset with the result. If we lose, you know, it, it's absolutely true. What, what you're saying, Steve, I mean, uh, the Rams do, I think in general with the NFC West opponents, uh, played them very, very well. And the 49ers, like you said, even though they swept us last year, it wasn't very it wasn't very easy for them, I would say. Um, you know, I feel like with a couple of injuries, it could have been a much, without a couple injuries, rather, it could have been a little bit closer. But, 
hey, this is a very tough team, and we'll have to see. I have a better idea, you know, for the first couple of games. If if uh, if this uh, if they lose the first couple of games, uh, I, I think you might uh, regret your decision here, Steve. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But I mean, according to you, we're not going to lose any of the first couple games. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go back to talking about shitty football teams. Uh, we host the Bears in Week 7, Chicago. Uh, this was a offseason where so many starting caliber quarterbacks were available for free. And the Bears traded a fourth-round pick to get Nick Foles in his massive bloated contract. Uh, so now they're loaded with a couple bad quarterbacks on the roster. They're saddling him next to Mitch Trubisky. Uh, it's going to be a competition for who will be one of the five worst starting quarterbacks in the league in that team. Uh, they got some good players on defense for sure. No doubt about it. They bring in Robert Quinn. Uh, Khalil Mack is still there. Kyle Fuller is still there. Danny Dravathan's still there. Rokon Smith is still there. Uh, Eddie Jackson's still there. It's a loaded defense. And for the Rams, with uh, with an offensive line that has question marks, I will say we we won this game last year uh, after being embarrassed in 2018. This was the, I think we could refer to this as the Bobby Evans game, where he didn't allow a sack on Khalil Mack when our offensive line was basically at rock bottom. Uh, I, <laughs> I it's it's tough to say because. With the Bears. That defense is really good, but that offense fucking sucks, dude. Uh, it, they bring in Jimmy Graham. They draft Cole Kmet. Uh, they have Allen Robinson, who's great and a really underrated player. Beyond him, they bring in Ted Ginn. Uh, Anthony Miller is not good. Uh, Riley Ridley, we'll see. It's probably not, not much there. Uh, I don't think that offense is going to be good at, at all. Uh, and if we could put up 20 points against the Bears, I think we're going to win. <laughs> You're right. This is going to basically boil down to defense. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's any question there. And like you said, they, they have a really good defense still, and I feel like that's one of the forgotten aspects of the Chicago uh, the Chicago team. It's really because... Oddly enough, as talented as the Bears' defense is, it's overshadowed with how terrible the Chicago Bears' offense is. That's that's how bad it is. It's amazing, actually, because, as you mentioned, there were so many better quarterbacks available, and yet they went after Nick Foles. And I'm I... not even... Just just to, to stop you real quick, and I'll let you continue. I don't know if there were a ton of much better options. I think a lot of the guys in free agency were better. But to me, the thing that stands out is they took on that contract and they gave up a pick when, you know, like Cam Newton and Jameis and even Andy Dalton to an extent were just sitting there. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's insane. Dude, I, I would totally take Cam Newton – in a heartbeat over Nick Foles. All three of those guys, I would, I would take Jameis, and fuck, I, would, I think I would fucking take Dalton over him. It, it, given I'm the context, gonna, for sure. 
I, I might even take Teddy Bridgewater, to be honest. I, I would I, take I Teddy know. Bridgewater. Yeah. That that's that's why it's like I, I don't understand the the form of thinking there. To be fair, Cam Newton, I believe, went on the market later after, you know Yeah, it was it <laughs> was a still, little after. But still I imagine you you could trade for a lot cheaper than what they got <laughs> than they mm-hmm. got Nick Falls for. You know, and maybe not in terms of what they gave up. But in terms of, you know, his contract, that's just ridiculous, honestly. Uh, Yeah, it's still baffling. But uh, enough harping on that. Really, it's going to be Foles' team, I think, because as bad as – well, not as bad. No, I'm just going to say it. As bad as Foles is, I don't think he's worse than Mitch Trubisky. No, I don't (laughs) think he is either. That's saying something, man. That is saying something. So I remember when the Rams actually played up against uh, Mitch Trubisky. Because uh, last last year, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, uh, he played for uh, for most of the game, right? I I will confirm that right now. I I can't. I think he did play. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chase Daniels went one for four, and Mitch Trubisky threw forty three passes. So yeah, he played for most of the game. Yeah, <laughs> he played terrible. Yeah, exactly. That that's why. Like, I'm just thinking that if for whatever reason Mitch Trubisky's in, whether it be for injury or Foles just has regressed that much, um. I, I think either way, you get Foles, you get Trubisky. This is going to be one for the defense for the Rams' sake. And I think we might even see a defensive touchdown just because of how bad they are. Um, so for me, I'm going to say uh, 23 to 10 Rams. Yeah, I'm going 30 to 15 Rams. Uh, and not a close one. I, I think this game's going to be a blowout. Uh, although we'll see that that defense might carry them to some wins. I think that's going to be a really good defense. And to cap it off on the Bears, the best quarterback they've had over the last fifty years is Jay Cutler. So that's the state of the franchise. Is it really Jay Cutler? It's either him or uh, Jim McMahon. And I think Jay Cutler was more talented, even though Jim McMahon got the ring. That's wow. it. That's Not like a... it, man. <laughs> that's, that's how bad it's been. Damn. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, when, when you put that into perspective, I mean, even with the Rams, they haven't had a a huge ton of, like, overly successful quarterbacks. But I would take a lot of quarterbacks over their best one. That Mark Bolger so... was, was better than Jake Gutler. Like, it's, it's bad. Oh, for sure. Kurt Warner. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's it's rough. Uh, and they won a Super Bowl during that time, and and they played in another. So it's not like they've been too tortured. Uh, other fans have had, had it worse, but just from a quarterback perspective, yeah, it's, it's brutal. Uh, week eight. This is right before the bye week. We're traveling to Miami. Uh, so I gotta confess here, Johnny. They they bring in Byron Jones, uh, they bring Kyle Van Noy, they bring in Jordan Flowers, they bring in Matt Breida. 
they signed Eric Flowers, who I only know from from Giants fans thinking he's like the worst player on earth. But he got three for thirty million, so I'm not sure if he's if he had a bounce back year last year as a offensive guard or if it was just a terrible contract. But they so they started out like historically bad and then ended the season being competitive. I literally thought Brian Flores should have gotten coach of the year consideration for that turnaround because there wasn't much there and he 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 did a great job. Uh they had a lot of draft picks. They drafted two attack Lavolia. They still have Ryan Fitzpatrick starting, who today might be better than both those quarterbacks in the Bears we just talked about. I you know, I would never sit here and say this team is going to make the playoffs, but I kind of think they're going to be okay. Uh, it, it's definitely not crazy to think that they won't be okay, um, or that they will be okay, rather, because, you know, they they did make some significant moves there. You brought up some really key names there. About the only one I didn't like was the Flowers move. Uh, the, the contract was way too much. He probably isn't as bad as Giants fans were saying, but he's certainly not somebody I'd be excited to get. Let's put it that way. I mean, he was like, I'm trying to think of like, who's, who's the worst player the Rams have had in the last 10 years that like, like Greg Robinson bad, probably I would say, uh, to that level. Like they were so excited when they caught him. Uh, I was shocked to see the money he got. Yeah, I'd take Flowers over Robinson, but that's that's another story. <laughs> both both are still starting. Well, no, not anymore. I forgot. Oh boy, <laughs> I forgot about Yes. Oh man. Anyway, the uh, bad memories. But, but uh, as far as the uh, um, as far as the team in as a whole. You know that kind of slogan for a lot of the for a lot of the fans that were saying, you know, the fans like the Dolphins, like the Bengals last year, tank for Tua? Yep. There's a reason for it. And let me tell you, if he's a hundred percent healthy, he was by far the better quarterback in this in this draft. And, you know, tank for Tua was a real thing. It literally the only reason why he wasn't the number one overall draft pick was because he got hurt. If he's 100% healthy, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Well, um, and I mean, I mean, give Burrow a little credit. He was, like, historically good last season. On a historically good team, though. Like, it's, he, that's true, he too. Help. That's fair. Yeah, he had a lot of help. Didn't Tua go to, Tua. wait, didn't Tua go to Bama? He did. All right, all right. That's dude. Why, it's an that's even why playing field. That's what didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in there first. <laughs> that's what she said. Um, nice. So, <laughs> so yeah. To to make your point though, Steve, absolutely. This is a team that you shouldn't sleep on, and you know, on paper, this could be a team that could be a playoff team for sure. I, I would not surprise me in the slightest. However, we also said that about the Browns last year, and that didn't work out so well, did it? No, but I don't think they have nearly as much hype. To me, they scream like vintage, post-Marino, 7-9 Miami Dolphins type stuff here. Like, pesky, going to be in every game, 
going to break a lot of Dolphin fans' hearts, but uh, they will win some games, I think. I think they're going to be better than people think. Whether or not Tua is playing, I think if if he is 100% healthy, there's not really a point of not playing him. Uh, like, I don't, I don't think it's going to negatively affect him this year, but, like, Devontae Parker, out of nowhere, finally decided he's going to be an NFL player last year. Uh, they're really thin behind him with a lot of guys dropping out. But uh, my, Mike Jacecki, I think he's, I think he's going to have a big breakout year. They, they have some talent in the tight end room. Uh, I don't know, man. I The Rams have beaten the Miami Dolphins one time since 1976. Now, granted, we haven't played them a lot. But we have played them 10 times since 1976, and we won once. Uh, this is a cross-country trip before the bye week. Uh, and this is part of the reason I picked us to beat the 49ers, Johnny, because I I don't know what it is, but I feel like we lose this game, and I have to go with my gut here, and I'm going to take the Dolphins 27-24. Uh, There's almost a 100% chance this changes when this game actually comes up. But today, that is how I'm feeling. I I don't know what it is. I feel like this is a trap game. Well, and that's fair because, you know, as much as we're predicting based on what we're seeing on rosters and what we know, a lot of things change week by week, much less as we're going through the season. So it's completely fair to say that the, the Dolphins could either be really, really good or really terrible you know uh we basically discovered this with the browns as i mentioned last year yeah that being said i still think it's going to be a very very tough game i don't whether or not this team turns out to be a you know 10 and 6 team or the or the dolphins end up being like a 7 and 9 team i think that this is still going to be a tough game but i still think the rams and uh, you know, end up walking away with this one. I'm going to say 34 to 31 Rams. I think that's fair. And I mean, uh, honestly, I flipped the 49ers and Dolphins results like 15 minutes in the show or before the show. I I spent like an hour talking myself into it. But look, man, I got to do it. I don't know what it is. I feel like that team's going to be okay. No matter which one of the two quarterbacks they start, if they end up starting Rosen, they are not going to be okay. But uh, Fitzpatrick is—he always finds a way. And uh, you know, I—I I think Burrow did deserve to be the number one quarterback in this draft. But it's not like that's an insult on Tua. And I think he's also going to be a really good player. And uh, this is Week Eight, so we'll see who the starter is at that point. It, could, it definitely. I wouldn't be surprised if it's either of them, but I would, I mean, what do you think? I feel like it will be Tua by week eight. I, I would certainly be surprised considering that Tua is healthy, that Tua isn't the starter week one. I am, I'm that serious. Like, like, like I said, I feel like this guy is, is an amazing quarterback and I think that he will be be a starter. It just depends on whether or not the the coaching staff wants to, you know, take it easy on a rookie or if, you know, he's not 100 percent healthy. So I think that's what it boils down to. Well, this year, especially it's it's going to be weird because there's, there's no preseason and they play. 
looking at their schedule, they they open the season with New England and then Buffalo. I mean, I I don't know if they're gonna want to feed a rookie to Bill week one, like. That's I, true. Yeah, I don't know with with no uh, not not that, but that plus no preseason. Uh, for the for a rookie quarterback, especially like, I think with the Chargers, you know, because there's no preseason, I don't know if we're even going to see Justin Herbert start at all this year. Uh, I would because a, you know, he's not getting preseason reps. B, Tyrod is fine. You know, he's I would say he's a top thirty-two quarterback. Uh, he's not that high on that list, but I'd say he's a start starting capable. Uh, see, there's a lot of talent on that team, and they might be pretty good. And if they're good, they're not going to switch to Herbert uh, unless Tyrod is, like, throwing them out of games. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's With rookie quarterbacks, it's going to be weird. And, you know, with Burrow is going to be the guy because who the fuck else are they going to play? Uh, you know, with, with two, uh, he's gone. Yep. Uh, so, you know, with Tua, there's just Patrick there. Um and, and with Ty, uh, Tyrod, obviously, with with the Chargers, um, and then with uh, and then the Eagles have their own situation. Um, but yeah, it, it's gonna be this is gonna be a f- crazy season. So going into the bye week, you have them seven and one. I have them six and two. And I mean, I'll be honest, I I would be surprised if we lose to Washington, Chicago, or the Giants. Even Chicago, I don't know, because, you know, they always play as tough. But other than that, these games could all go either way. Uh, and it's really it's really going to be important for the Rams to win some of these toss-up games because, you know, we're looking at – we're talking about – we're talking Dallas, Philly, Buffalo, uh, the Dolphins, San Fran. You know, it's San Fran, it, it, it's the toughest one, but – all these games I feel like are winnable, uh, and we'll, we'll see about fans. I don't know. I feel like most of these teams won't have fans. Maybe the Dolphins have a couple. Uh, Jerry Jones said he's going to have fans today, but we play them in L.A., and I, I don't know. I don't think any of the California teams are going to have fans. So, yeah, this is this can be bizarre, but you having the Rams 7-1, and one, I have them 6-2. and two. Uh, We're right in our Homerville right now with a team coming off a nine and seven missed playoff season with no major acquisitions to show for it. Basically, but (laughs) um, realistically speaking, you know, even if you wanted to, you know, be like a Derek Downer here, there are quite a few teams that the Rams are playing against that I, I would find it really hard to go against them here. You brought up a couple of them already. Yeah. Now, there are some where it'll for surely be close, like the Cowboys game. That can go either way. Uh, Eagles, I guess you can make an argument it can go either way. But for me, I, I don't really see it there. The Bills, you can make an argument for sure. Uh, 49ers, yes, absolutely. You can say that the 49ers have the edge there. And really, maybe the Dolphins, you can make an argument. But, like, even then, like, I don't think you would fault anyone if you're a diehard Ram fan or not a diehard Ram fan 
if you pick the Rams here over the Dolphins. No, we'll, so, we'll for sure be the favorite in that game. And honestly, if I picked the Rams to lose a couple of these other games, I would have picked them to be the Dolphins. But uh, <laughs> I just had a feeling. But yeah, it's, you know, I think uh, I feel like I don't expect them to come out of here any worse than 4-4 four and four at the same time. Seven and one, eight and zero isn't out of the question. Uh, I, I mean, I would be floored if this team was eight and zero, but six and two, seven and one. I mean, it's doable, man. It's doable. These are tough games, but they're winnable games, and we'll see what we'll see what kind of heart this team has after. I mean, especially that first three game stretch. That's like we said last week. That's a really good tell of what this team's going to be. They're uh they're tough but winnable games. All right, well Johnny, that was a long one, but I I feel like that was a lot of good stuff. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back with weeks, I guess ten to thirteen because we have a week nine bye. Next week we're gonna be talking about the Seahawks, Bucks, Forty Niners again, and the Cardinals. Uh, and we'll get some other good stuff for you. But don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Zebrero, at Johnny596, at Talk Rams, and we'll talk to you guys next week. I don't really think I'm an idiot most of the time. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.